Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Good morning. Was I the only one who bumped my bread into my mask? Be honest now. Was there anyone else there? Anyone else bump their bread into their mask and wonder how this invisible shield suddenly appeared? You got an excuse, maybe if it's your first time. But this is like my fourth Sunday of doing that. That's a problem. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in a physical environment, worshiping. I do see the benefit we have of streaming this message because the extent to which that can be broadcast is way beyond what this group could do in Durban. And we maybe have stumbled upon this as a necessary need during this time, but certainly it's something that's going to be jettisoned into the future. There's a great message out there. It's called the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel is a description of the good gospel, is the description of the good news. The gospel isn't the, the good news itself. It is the good news, but it's the good news about something. That Jesus opened up a door that we could enter into the kingdom of God by being born again. And we don't just want to walk through the door and stand there for the next 30 years. We want to walk in and begin occupying, taking territory, in discovering all that the king has laid up for us. And that's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Not just a message about Jesus as the door. And I think that's something, for many Christians, that's what they think when they hear the word gospel. Oh, yes, I've received the gospel. No, my friend, the gospel was the door into the good news of the kingdom of God. I've repeated this often. I think I repeat it because I need to hear it. I need a renewing of my mind. So I don't apologize for repetition. But I do believe the prophetic word in the prayer meeting this morning was that there's going to be a few adjustments. Are you ready for an adjustment? Just a, like a little two-degree adjustment in your engine to just reset, recalibrate, so that you can fire on all six cylinders. Come on. Now, you know what I love doing on a Sunday morning. You know what I love doing on a Sunday morning. Can we please stand up? Can just just humor me? Because you can. And I don't get to see you all week. And then we can stand together. Unless you physically can't. Like Doug. I can see he's really battling. <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Did I say that loud or was I thinking it? Can you just raise your hands with me? Father, let's say that together. Father, Father what, a what a wonderful message. Your gospel 
the good news of your kingdom. Open my eyes to see afresh. Open my ears to hear anew. Strengthen me in my inner man by your spirit to demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. If nothing else happened today, God heard that prayer. Okay? Now, do you know that in every uh, field of occupation, whether you're a doctor, lawyer, an investigator, a theologian, they all have their own unique language that they use. Have you noticed that? I mean, I was just looking through some terminology. Uh, doc, for example, mathematicians, it's always calculating, computing, and tabulating. Accountants, it's ratio analysis, balance sheets, accrued expenses, equity, and inventory. In geology, the language is biological, weathering, crystallization, conglomerate, rock formations. The lawyers, it's depositions, punitive damages, the difference between civil law and administrative law. IT, well, they're another breed altogether. It's like, uh, have you listened to them talking about joining the HDMI to the OCB? So it goes through the DDA and up into the MP3 downloaded into 44 gigabytes storage. And then, I mean, all I, and, uh, make sure you have the IPL address. Right. Now, all I know is LOL. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got doctors. I mean, it's, Coronary, laparoscopy, lepos- I mean, I can't pronounce these words. Laparoscopy, fibroid arthritis. And then they have to write these words in such a way that nobody can read them. And they hide their bad spelling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. If you're in a field of occupation and you learn the language, you begin to think in that and you begin to understand it. If you don't first define the terms of that topic, it creates confusion and, in fact, it brings quite a bit of uh, misunderstanding because different terms can mean different things to different people. Laparoscopy for one person means an appendix operation. Another person, tonsillitis, you know you're in trouble. Terms have meanings, and this is also true in theology. I won't go there, but what I will say is also true in understanding the kingdom of God. Because there are some terms, there's some terminology that we need to become familiar with, and as we get familiar with it, we begin to understand and to increase knowledge. And you know that knowledge and study is important. Study to show yourself approved, says Paul. Learning and study is not synonymous with being backslidden. Investigating, studying the scripture, not only to understand it, but to, to feel its influence in your life, to see it demonstrated. As Bill Johnson says, always placing a demand on what you've learned. So, so we, we see that learning is important because it's in the area where we don't have knowledge where the enemy can get a foot up on us. The area of our ignorance 
becomes the playground of the devil in our minds. That's why truth dispels darkness. Darkness is just the absence of light. Error is just the absence of truth. Error is not equal substance. Like darkness is not an equal substance as light. Light is a real, it's waves, it's particles, it's matter. Darkness is not. It's absence. Error is absence. It's not a B thing. It's, and and the, if we don't get truth in an error of our lives, error remains, and that's where Satan can play the fool. So understanding the terms of the kingdom is very important. Understanding terminology. And I could pick out two or three people here this morning I know would be familiar with many of these terms. But I can also pick out a few that might be not. And for that sake, let's get on the page together. Amen? I want to start right at the beginning here. The kingdom of God revolves around the king of kings. And I think in our democratically elected understood governmental models, we don't fully appreciate what it means to have a king. I'm not talking about like the Queen of England. She's a figurehead. She stamps what other people have decided. But there was a day when her word was law. When she said, off with their heads, nobody questioned it. They never had a vote. They never had a referendum. They didn't have a parliament debate. Off with their heads. Now there is wickedness in that kind of power. There are, history is littered with the autocratic dictator Diabolical leaders like have ruled. But there are also a few of them that were benevolent and kind. And whenever benevolent, kind, righteous leaders led, or kings, the people prospered. That's what the Bible says. Where the righteous kings led in, in Judah, there was a, a prosperity for the people. But where kings ruled in in unrighteousness, the people suffered. Now, here's the thing. We got a king who is perfectly loving, gracious, and kind. And he looks to his people to be blessed and prosper. And his original intent was that his heavenly kingdom would be displayed in a physical world through physical beings that would bring about a, a demonstration of what his world looks like. And the unseen would be reflected in the seen. The visible world would take hold of the invisible qualities of God and make them visible and, and seen in the physical, practical world and God gave himself a limitation by his own word that he would only work through his delegated authority when he said to them, subdue, have dominion, and multiply. God said, let us make them in our image. That was his gift to them. His gift to you is he made you in his image. His mandate to you is go take dominion. Go and rule. 
And we know how that cosmic disaster affected mankind when they trusted in the, the lie and instead of the truth, when they, when they believed the error instead of trusting in God's word. That's all God was asking of man in the beginning was trust me. That's all. I'll take care of the rest. Just trust me. Just trust me. Because without trust, there's no contract. Without trust, there's no uh, 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 delegated authority that can, can just be given unending. So God said the soul that sins will die, and spiritually man was cut off because the Spirit of God no longer was in his spirit. The very thing that made man in God's image, not his body, not his soul, but his spirit the Spirit of God that was breathed into us. Now, I've gone off a little bit, but I want to come back to this, the king. And he made you now to rule, and that's why we called kings also. But just in case there's no misunderstanding, he's the king over the kings. It says in Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Come on. Every kingdom has a, a territory, a domain. And it says that the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. You see, there was an original tent where God wanted to colonize this planet to reflect visibly what his invisible realm, the eternal realm, looks like. And after the treason of man who turned his back on trusting God, God put a redemption plan into place and he never ever changed plan A. The earth, he still wanted to be ruled and dominated and subdued by mankind. And that's why it says in Daniel, the sovereignty, the power, and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey Him. And in case they didn't get it in this lifetime, it's reserved for eternity. When a new heaven, say new heaven, and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea that's open to some interpretation. So surfers don't get all out of, bent out of shape. There's something much better than surfing in heaven. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with man, and he will live with them. He will be, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything, everything new. Can you see how seriously God takes his kingdom? That we're on the winning side, whether we know it or not. 
So there may be tears in this lifetime. It's not because God doesn't want us to seek His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It just means we're still bearing some of the atmosphere of the fallenness that's created suffering in the world around us. And there are unanswered questions, and there are things we don't fully get. But like I said last week, let's rather stop short in heaven of having expected the most here on earth. But let's not stop here on earth expecting the best that God has for us. Jesus really did say, the things that I've done, you will do, and even greater things than these. There's got to be something in us, church, that rises up and says, this could be our finest hour. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that there was more for us. I'd rather take more chances here and, and, and be found that, that I, I expected too much in this life than get to heaven and find I didn't expect enough. And those that expected nothing on earth got their prayers answered. Because if you expect nothing, you always get your prayers answered. But let's expect something. Amen? God's original intent was for us to reign as a kingdom, as kings. And that will be carried on at his eternal plan. And I'm spending quite a bit of time here, but these terms are very important. I download these notes and the scriptures. I've spent hours and hours researching different theologians and researching different Angles on this and my, my own search over the years as I've come around to the same topic is it, I've just, it's so clear to me now that God is a king over a kingdom that he put us in charge of and he limited himself. And that means he limited himself not because he's not all powerful, but because he's all powerful, he limited himself to the partnership of those who had come into agreement with him in their prayer and declaration on this planet. Or else he would have just done everything himself. But he chose to legally only interfere in the affairs of the earth, be involved in the affairs of the earth through partners agreeing on earth as it is in heaven. If we're not seeing what we trust in God for, we have to ask ourselves, Are we asking for it? Are we declaring it? Or are we just sitting back in apathy and expecting it? Because expectation has a role, but when it doesn't bear fruit in declaration and prayer and trust, it will never bear anything more. I'm going through the same struggles as you are. I know there's moments where I go, God, if I was you, I know what I'd do right now. Like, you know, just give me a moment. Give me where the God had for just like a, a, a day. Just no, no, an hour. No, 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 one minute. Just give me the God hat and, and, and I can hear heaven laughing. They are laughing. I'm going to get to heaven one day. They're going to still be rolling laughing. You wanted it for what? A minute. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? What about if God said, the problem's not lying with me, but it's lying with my people, you. Because the next thing is this citizenship. We are citizens in this kingdom, but we're not just citizens as we understand in this democratic world of one man, one vote. 
No, we are citizens, we are also sons. We are sons, but we're citizens, but our citizenship is because we're sons, but our sonship came from God because when we believed in Jesus and our spirit was reborn, the spirit of God brought our spirit alive, and that moment we were born into the kingdom of God and our eyes were opened. To something new. People said, you must be crazy. Said, I don't understand it. I don't know what's happened. But I know that I know that I know that my Jesus is real. And he's changed my past. And he's changed my future. And the Bible says, you, say me, are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling which God lives by his spirit. God has formed us into a vessel again, like in the garden of Eden, when he formed the vessel and breathed his life in. High treason deserved the consequence of God's promise, the soul that sins will die. Lack of trust is tantamount to sin. But God never gave up. The prophet said, in that day, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, says the Lord, and your sons and your daughters and your mothers and your fathers. You see, it's the spirit in us that brings us back into family relationship with the king. And it says, because your sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart, and the spirit now cries out, Abba, Father. Sons, spirit-filled, under a king, with a mandate to take authority on earth as it is in heaven. Remember when God created you? That was his gift to you. But when God said, take authority, subdue, rule, that was his commission. And his commission was reinstated because after that authority was lost in the garden, Jesus regained it and reclaimed it through the legitimacy of a physical body that he came in, lived, died a perfect sinless life with the Spirit of God living in him because of his sinless life and death could not hold him captive, but he was dead, buried and rose again. The devil overplayed his hand because Satan's Hell was plundered by the righteousness of the blood of Jesus. And he went in to the corridors of hell and he took captivity by the scruff of its neck. And he said, I'm taking these keys of death and hell and I'm conquering. And my church is going to be given these keys that I promised them. And they will rule and reign on this earth. You see, my friend, God did it legally through his son. And gave us the same spirit as his son. And now, Jesus has a legal body on earth. God hasn't broken his word. God hasn't contradicted himself. 
He has an obligation to work through his delegated body on earth. And that's what Jesus said when he rose from the dead. All authority is now mine. I'm sending you. But I'm coming soon. And on that day of Pentecost when that fire fell, my friend, that was the beginning of the church. And that same fire has been poured down to us. And you got some of that fire still burning inside of you. I tell you, we go through discouragements and we start thinking in our minds how we're going to solve our problem when we should be tapping into our spirit. Because in the spirit, there is life and there is knowledge and there is wisdom. When we tap into our own reason, we we can never connect a finite God with, I mean an infinite God with a finite mind. We need the infinite spirit of God. We have the mind of Christ. So we see now as citizens of the kingdom, our role is to, and you've heard this term thrown around a few times. Okay, so you're no longer a slave, but a son. Since you're a son, you've been made an heir. A kingdom culture. Say that, kingdom culture. I think we all at times have heard that terminology thrown out, and it's got different connotations for different people depending on your background and your denomination and etc. But kingdom culture is very important to understand within the context of the king over his territory, through his citizens, his sons, to establish truth in all the earth. You see, a culture in a natural world system is the values, the belief systems, it's even the language that they speak. It's, it's their sense of humor. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch of stuff. It's a whole study on its own. Is this, is this uh, culture of a society? Anthropologists have been, and sociologists have been studying this uh, amazing uh, topic of how people interact in groups and tribes and, and etc. and the similarities between people groups over, over the, the millennia. And these are some of the things that, that are found in, in a culture. It's what they believe, it's their worldview, it's their values. And in the same way, we as kings and priests, we as sons and daughters, have a culture that we called to demonstrate and to impart and to bring the world's system into line with. Let me read to you a few scriptures. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Let's stop there. What does that mean? Well, Paul had a problem with the old Hebrew theologians coming along and wanting to bring new laws on ceremonial washings and cleansing and eating and drinking. And in that he's saying, this is not what this new kingdom is about. This kingdom is about righteousness, peace, and joy that are found in the Holy Spirit. Not in the law, but in which is dead and the letter that kills, but the Spirit gives life. And in the Spirit, there is righteousness, a new standing before God as if you'd never sinned, a peace. Romans 5.1 says, uh, just if 
Therefore, being justified by grace, we have peace with our God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Shalom. Can I declare shalom over you right now? Shalom. Shalom in your marriage. Shalom in your business. Shalom in your body. Shalom in your mind. Shalom over this local church. Peace. Peace. As Creflo Dollar says, nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. Shalom. I know some of you, even listening to this message, might just go, is anything but peace right now. I'm in a storm, and I don't know what to do. Well, my friend, Jesus went through that same storm that you're going through right now. But it was the peace that let him sleep in the boat that gave him authority over the storm. you got no authority over a storm that you cannot sleep through. And you can only sleep through something when you are at rest and at peace in the knowledge that God is greater than every storm that comes against you. He's got authority over uh, the whole cosmos. And he's put the word in your mouth and he said, say to the storm, be still. I don't know what storm you're facing right now, my friend, but you just need to speak two words. Be still. Be still. And then find your peace. Find your rest. Find your rest. Right now, just just find that place of peace and rest. God, I choose to believe that in you I'm more than a conqueror. I choose to believe When this battle is over, you're still standing. And because I am in you and you in in me, I will be standing. I believe after 10,000 fall at my right and 10,000 at my left, it's not going to come near me. I will be standing because as the prophetic word says this morning, having done all, stand. We are on solid ground, church. We are on a rock. His name is Jesus, and His promises are eternal, and they endure forever. There's a different culture that we bring. This culture for the kingdom of God is not just about talking. I know I'm doing a lot of talking here this morning. Jesus also did a lot of talking, most of it about the kingdom. But Jesus demonstrated what He taught. Hello? Jesus demonstrated his message, and then after the miracle, he would teach some more to explain what he just did. Isn't that incredible? He'd heal somebody to show what the kingdom of God looks like. Kingdom of God is not just talk, it's power. And then he would use that as an example, as a lesson to teach more on the kingdom of God. I challenge you again. Go read the parables But read them with new covenant glasses, correctly dividing. But read them with a view to see how the kingdom operates. I'm not nearly going to get through these nine points today. But I do want to say this, that even if we only got this far, and I know we got some time restraint with the radio, but our radio listenership, we want to encourage you this morning to tap into the series and to keep building your faith in Jesus' name. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I mean, Peter's shadow just passed over people. I mean, that's the difference. They had so much confidence in the prayer of the believers that they brought the sick. They didn't have to put them into isolation 
and to quarantine them off in case. In fact, the only people they quarantined were the lepers. And we know Jesus had a lot to say about that. He was a friend of sinners and publicans. Touched the the unclean of the day. Now, I'm not saying your faith has to to be there immediately and you must run off and start touching people that are infected. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is set the bar high. Don't set it low. If you set it low, that's what you expect, that's what you get. What about setting the bar high and saying, what if in the last days, after this pandemic gives way to another pandemic, which gives way to a worse pandemic, what if in those days the church says, now we're fed up. Now we are going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray for the dead. We're going to pray for the crushed. We're going to pray against all common sense. We're going to pray. And you know what? We might lose a few and we might win a few. But if we will persist and persevere, I believe God will honor his word. I mean, what kind of question is that? Will God honor his word? You see, in a democracy, you can, well, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And, you know, who gave this one, this right and that, rights and, 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 but with a king, you don't, you don't discuss uh, who, why did he let this happen? It's just like he, because he's the king. That was the mentality with a kingdom. Now, I'm not saying you live fatalistic in the new covenant. I'm saying, but with that same confidence, I believe the king is in control. I believe the king is benevolent and compassionate and kind. I believe his original attempt to colonize this earth with the presence of heaven in the visible that will demonstrate the invisible is his plan still to this very day. And he has got a body on this earth that's called his church and they are rising up in boldness and confidence. Every place you put your foot, I will give to you. Every mountain that you speak against, I will remove. Every fig tree root system that is causing trouble. Speak to it. Speak to it. This is the dominion I've given you as setting a new culture. What did this new culture look like in the New Testament? Well, thank you for asking the question. They devoted themselves. Sorry, who devoted themselves? The church leaders made them devote themselves. Oh, um, their parents made them devote themselves. They, oh, no, no, no. The education no, no, system, no, the, the government, no, 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 they devoted themselves. You see, only you can devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. Didn't even get to what I wanted to talk about, the constitution in the kingdom, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. And to pray. This is what they devoted themselves to. Isn't it awesome to be able to take the cup and the bread again? I mean, yeah, I know you can be led on TV and you can be led via the internet. And, you know, I'm not, you, can, you should do this as a family anyway. But there's something in a corporate meeting that is so, so special. Breaking bread together. Eating healing and peace and unity to your bodies. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were being done 
by those early disciples, the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. This is an end day miracle. Selling their possessions and goods and gave to anyone as they needed. Here's the part of Acts 2.42 that hasn't been fulfilled. Maybe that's the end time revival. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God, praising God, praising God. Have we are praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I mean, God it wants you to have favor. This thing of Christians need to be the scorned, downtrodden, you know, baptized in orange juice, lemon-faced. No, no. Believers are favored. People go, wow, hey, that guy there, I believe he's, he's a Christian, and this is what God has done in his life. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those, those who were looking at these people, those who were observing, those who saw the favor, those who saw the unity, those who saw the miracles, those who saw the signs and wonders, those who heard the gospel being preached, those who saw them breaking bread, those who saw them praying together, those who saw them sharing and being in common, those were being saved daily. I'm going to hold it here. This is definitely a two-part for those who can bear coming back and have me shout at you again next week. I pray amongst the shouting. It's the only way I can get my words out. But I get quite